Hi, Connectors. In this episode, I connect with attorney Kirk Freeman, who reminded me it is not too late to get my summer body in order. And if you are still getting your summer body in order, hey, check out Indiana Wing Chung Boxing Association, located in Lafayette, Indiana. Here at Indiana Wing Chung Boxing Association, we strive for excellence and train hard in the traditional art of Wing Chung, applicable to today's environment. Training hard so we can face the challenges the world brings us. We live by the motto of truth, honor, strength, and virtue, and by the traditional Wing Chun rules of conduct. For more information, contact Indiana Wing Chun Boxing Association at Indiana Wing Chun, that's W-I-N-G-C-H-U-N, Indiana Wing Chun at gmail.com. Again, Indiana Wing Chun at gmail.com. All right, it's that time. You know what to do. Sit back, relax, do what you do, whatever you do while listening to a podcast. And let's get connected. We are connected. We got martial arts at six, but until then, yeah, I can, I can talk as much as I want. I know Wing Chun. Wing Chun, yeah. Mm-hmm. Black belt. What Bruce Lee did. Uh, there are really no belts. Um, I've just been doing it a long time, mm-hmm. um, more than a couple decades. And, uh, you know, it keeps me active and... Um, you know, get to hang out with guys and get punched in the head by guys half your age. So, you know, it's a good thing. Welcome, Connectors, to another episode of Connected to the Podcast. I am here with Kirk Freeman, attorney at law. He's a defense attorney, one of the most bad A-word defense attorneys here in Lafayette, Indiana. How are you doing today, Kirk? I'm well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me in your office. Sure, sure. never been over here? So Anytime. Okay, yeah. Introduce you to the new stuff. Yeah. Just, uh, it's important uh, that you stay out of Susanna's way, <laughs> uh, but we're very accommodating here. So thanks for coming here today. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about your life and how you got to where you are today. Where are you from? Right. I'm from Indianapolis, west side of Indianapolis, a place called Lenhurst. Okay. Um, went to Ben Davis High School, if you're familiar with uh, Indiana high schools. I am not. Okay. Do you have any siblings? Uh, one brother. Um, he's a mechanical, or mechanical, electrical engineer. Uh, he works for uh, Allegheny National and runs their uh, steel mill north of Pittsburgh in a place called Breckenridge. Okay. They live just north of uh, Pittsburgh in a place called Butler. Uh, he's two years younger than I am. Okay. So two boys, football, basketball. Uh, I grew up playing sports, you know, a little baseball, soccer, uh, played football for a while, uh, wrestled. Okay. Um, we were uh, hobbies. We liked to ride horses. My dad was really into horses. So uh, for our church group, we wrangled the, the church horses at Camp Manito, um, which is a Methodist, uh, United Methodist camp okay. in southern Indiana. And uh, we wrangled the horses, you know, groomed them and... Uh, took care of their gear, their tack, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, got to real be real good at uh, at horses, barrel raced, uh, rescue race uh, for 4-H, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, my my brother did English. Nice. Um, so yeah, it was fun. Huh. I was a Girl Scout, so I remember going down to Camp Mayordale. This is in Louisiana, mm-hmm. and we got to have like a weekend full of riding horses. <laughs> so you grew up in Indianapolis. Yes. What brought you to Lafayette? 
Um, after law school, um, I interviewed with a, a number of firms in a number of cities. Um, I accepted an offer to, from, from a firm in Indianapolis, um, grew disillusioned. It was insurance defense. Mm. And uh, we did uh, slip and falls for a couple different large fast food restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, and that got to me. So um, I wanted to at least have some courtroom experience. So there was an ad posted at the, uh, was it IU Indianapolis, the law school there, when it was still in the old uh, New York Street address. And I applied and I got the gig. Mm -hmm. So I moved up here in 95. Okay. Now when you say the slip and falls got to you, what do you mean? Because you're now so the, a defense the, attorney. The same fact pattern gotcha. over and over again. Mrs. McPherson went up to refill her root beer, slipped mm -hmm. on the ice, and it it you know it was different restaurant, but it was a different it was the same uh, fact pattern, and um, uh, reading depositions the same depositions over and over again, doing the same motion for summary judgment, uh, the same motion to dismiss over and over again. Um, granted, it was a bigger firm. Um, you know, white shoe law firm, I guess you would call it, downtown Indianapolis, uh, with all the trappings thereof. Um, but it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I live a little rougher, um, than a lot of attorneys do. And mm -hmm. I have, um, different motivations than a lot of different attorneys do. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're into that, that's cool. This is America, you know, yeah. do what you want. Um, but, um, being in a big law firm, making partner by 32 yeah, and marrying the sorority girl and going to the country club. Eh, that's not me. So, um, I was fortunate, I guess, that I realized it way before I was 40 because, mm -hmm. you know, most guys, they don't. And then they wake up and they're 42 and, you know, losing their hair and they have to go buy a Corvette and, you know, and they're uh, nailing some chick on the side who's half their age. Um, I didn't have to go through that because I knew that lifestyle wasn't for me and I, I knew what I wanted. Yeah, so it wasn't. As far as anyone can, mm -hmm. I, knew, I knew what I is defined by the negative. I knew I didn't want that. How was your law school experience? How was it? Uh, yeah. Chicago Kent. Um, I liked Kent um, because it was, uh, it was the Jewish law school in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, I was raised Methodist, but I liked their attitude. Um, they um, uh, founded Kent uh, because at the time, uh, prospective Jewish students couldn't get into Northwestern, mm -hmm. couldn't get into other law schools. Um, so rather than whine and cry, they just founded their own school. And uh, that attitude was very attractive to me. You just said earlier that you had different motivations. I can say that I am vouching for you, fine, whatever, but I must say you are a very good attorney. You know your work, you do your job. Well, I'm just old now. I've been doing it a long time. I've been doing it 24 years. I mean, there are a lot of good attorneys, um, you know, who've, you know, who just started out doing it. They're going to get better and better. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, this is what I do. I do what I do day in and day out, and I've been doing it for two and a half decades. So after a while, your kung fu is going to get pretty good. Yeah. But I still need work, so. That's true. Are there any other attorneys in your family? Um, cousin, uh, Ronnie, um, he's with um, the uh, state's attorney's office. 
which state's attorney is the equivalent, the Illinois equivalent to prosecuting an attorney. Okay. And uh, he does um, um, auto theft <clears throat> up in Chicago. Okay. Would you ever consider going to Chicago, practicing in Chicago? No. Um, I, I love Chicago. I was living there. I still have good friends from law school there. Mm -hmm. And uh, from other places uh, that I've met socially, love going there, love going to visit. It's a wonderful place to take a girl up to, uh, uh, you know, for the weekend uh, to go shopping or see museums yeah. or um, other places where I used to hang out in Greektown and everything. Kent was over by uh, Greektown, and okay. I still know it pretty well. Um, you know, go to the, the Russian house there, I like going to the Russian tea house. Uh, I speak Russian, so it uh, fits in well. Um, but you, you as far you as living, mm, oh, wow. uh, yeah, that's what I did in undergrad. And then, um, um, after undergrad, um, we were talking to the Navy and everything. I went, actually went through MEPS and everything, but, um, we won the cold war back uh -huh. then if you're, you're substantially younger than I am, but the cold war ended and everybody who wasn't a native speaker from the Office of Naval Intelligence, they, they shoved aside and they said, we don't want you. Mm. So um, uh, I decided, you know, the only thing I was ever good at is going to school. Mm -hmm. So um, I decided to apply, look, go to law school. I looked around and I saw Chicago Kent and I liked their attitude, so I applied. Okay. Now, you studied Russian. What was your major? Uh, double major, history and uh, Russian Wow. Mm. I tried learning mm. Russian. I can't even remember it now. But I remember the characters. One looks like Little House almost. I can't. I know. The characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a it's Cyrillic alphabet. Um, um, it's a different way to codify um, the sounds. Um, it, it's just another method. One will get you there. In fact, if you look at... Um, the other languages, um, Serbo-Croatian, Ruthenian, Old Church, Slavonic, anything like that, you still have the same sounds, mm -hmm. but they're um, uh, codified in the Romance, um, the Roman alphabet. Okay, so, sure. yeah. It's a different way, two different roads, same destination. Huh. You're so interesting, Kirk. That's kind of cool because you don't meet a lot of people who speak Russian, who aren't Russian. Uh, there, there are several around. Um, in fact, if you run into uh, Lafayette police officer John Yastrebsky, Yastreb means hawk in, okay. in Russian. Um, he speaks Russian. Uh, there are several other individuals, either from the service uh, or have family ties to Russia. Hmm. So back in undergrad, what was your thoughts on uh, Russian and history? What did you plan on doing with it? Well, I was always uh, interested in history. Um, when I grew up, um, when dinosaurs roamed the earth and the earth was still hot and hadn't begun to cool yet, there's something called the bicentennial. Um, and I really got into that. And my, my grandmother was daughter of American Revolution. Uh, our, our family got kicked out of England after the English Civil War. Huh. Um, and we, we came into America through North Carolina, Kentucky, into Indiana. And my grandmother was heavily involved in the Daughters of the American Revolution. Wow. And she got me a gig, uh, a couple different gigs, displaying the flags of the revolution. Oh. There was like uh, uh, an MC, uh, an announcer, 
and you would walk out in front of the audience with the different flags. And I always felt that uh, was interesting, so I started reading a lot more um, on the revolution and really got into uh, to history. And uh, also th probably through board gaming, um, that interests me. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I grew up playing the Russian campaign, Third Reich, squad leader and everything like that. And that led to you know actually putting the games down every once in a while because they weren't digital back then. They were all aren't cardboard, right? Yeah. So um, we'd go to the library and you know just hang out in the history section and uh, try to read as much as I could. Hmm. Um, so by the time I got into high school and I started being you know aware of world events and everything, the, the Cold War was still going on and whatnot, um, and um, the U.S. involvement in uh, Central America. Uh, in particular Nicaragua and uh, El Salvador, and that's where I, I made contact with um, Russian history, and mm -hmm. I started learning more about Russian history, and I, I knew that's what I wanted to pursue in undergrad. Wow, and so I'm assuming you've traveled the world then, or at least to different countries. Um, no, well, yeah, I have. Um, I've, I've gone different places, um, but um, not so much anymore because it, it takes away from the practice. Mm. And especially being an a, a old bachelor, um, you, you see a lone male alone in a lot of different countries uh, that can be problematic. Mm. Um, so um, I'd like to. Um, I, I, I have a couple different places in Argentina. I have friends there okay. and I have friends in Africa. Um, in uh, Namibia and uh, the Republic of South Africa okay. and uh, up into Zambia. Um, so I always, always wanted to go hunting up there. Um, and Namibia is just unbelievably gorgeous. Huh. Um, so I definitely want to go there. Wow. I've been to Nigeria. Oh, it was so hot, but it was nice. At least, you know, the parts that I, I got to see. I really want to go on a safari. I know that's probably like so cliche, but I think it'll be cool. Well, they have they have different programs in different countries and everything. And like it's like say you, most of the the safaris now are photographic, because mm -hmm. um, just because the uh, licenses for different animals are so expensive. Mm. Um, so it, it depends on what you want to take. You want to take a kudu. You know, that's... What's a kudu? Uh, it's the one with the twisty horns. It looks like... Uh, it's an antelope. Okay. Um, it looks about the size of an American elk, but it has the, the horns that gotcha. twist. yeah. Okay. And, uh, or an onyx or something like that, which I think it's like double the price of the kudu. The one with the swept back horns. Okay. I was yeah, like, that, yeah. that's pretty cool. But I always like uh, uh, range game, uh, things like that. You know, sables and uh, onyx and uh, kudu. Um, I don't think I can bring myself to shoot, you know, like a giraffe or something no, like that or, or even a lion. Um, but, you know, zebras and things like that that need to be controlled and mm. everything like that, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'd uh, like to do that someday. Yeah? It's always interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Yes. I want to know a little bit more about you getting into law. And you talked earlier about your motivation. So... What was your motivation? Uncle Sam kicked me out. That's why I, was, I yeah, I, I looked around. And I really wasn't good at anything else, and and with my particular degree, I mean, it, I, it wasn't like I had a major in mechanical engineering or chemical engineering or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, the road I was on, you, I was either going to teach, 
um, or I was going to become an attorney. Mm -hmm. And um, I, attorneys had always um, interested me, probably since grade school. I think my mom says I, I wanted to be a lawyer right around the fourth grade. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, and, and it's, it's a venue, it's an avenue where I can be involved with some of my interests like history, which probably bores other attorneys and they roll their <laughs> eyes, right, right? Um, and uh, uh, judges roll their eyes in particular. But uh, it interests me and uh, that's a way uh, for me to satisfy my interests. Why do you think that is? Like, you, that attorneys or judges will roll their eyes? No, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's understandable to me because most people have families, they have lives, um, they want to get the kids to soccer practice, um, they, they just don't have time to look at these things mm -hmm. and examine them. And people are so exhausted by modern life that it's not that they're anti-intellectual, it's just that they're exhausted, they're mentally exhausted, mm -hmm. and, they, and they don't want to deal with it because, you know, you only have so much attention, you only have so much time, mm -hmm. and if Billy is tugging on your shirt sleeve mm -hmm. to take him to soccer practice, then you don't have, sit down, you know, you don't have time to sit down and read. That's, that's so, true. Yeah. Or it's hard but, yeah, finding and, time to and, read. And yeah, remember, I'm an old bachelor with um, with no other demands on my time, so I can block out the time to to study these things and satisfy my interests. That, yeah. That's all it is. So when you're not studying the law, what are you doing? Well, I'm not being a lawyer. Yeah. Um, well, um, I'm uh, into martial arts. I, I I do it to stay active. Um, I'm old now, so I'm getting punched and kicked by guys uh, half my age. Um, but um, it it keeps you active. It keeps you limber. I always go back to the John Pilates quotation. Mm -hmm. He says that when a man's back is flexible, he is young. When a man's back is inflexible, he is old. Hmm. So um, like my grandma said, uh, move around a lot and always eat a rainbow of food every day. Yes. So um, the... The um, martial arts in particular, uh, uh, Chinese martial arts and more specifically Wing Chun, uh, gives me a platform, uh, direction to help exercise. You get to go do cool stuff and you get to exercise. Yeah. You know, just pounding away on the treadmill day after day makes people's eyes, at least makes my eyes glaze over. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm out there doing interesting stuff and you know, running my app and everything like that, then that helps. As I told you earlier, I studied or practiced, I think that's the right word, practiced Hapkido. Mm -hmm. And I would have to agree that was like the most fun exercise because you are, and I was in a class with like little kids and they were running and jumping on the walls and they were like Spider-Man. But I wasn't able to do it, but just learning the basics and then eventually being able to jump like super super high. Yeah, it it you're you're active. <clears throat> um, it keeps you around people. It, it you know you socialize. Right. And um, when I was young, I wanted to to move real fast and hurt people. Mm -hmm. And and now I just want to talk to my friends. Oh. Right. So. <laughs> you calmed a little bit. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just aged in place. There you go. When you were younger. Had you, well, you said that you studied history. When was it again when you decided to become an attorney or that you wanted to do law? Probably grade school. Um, my mom says it was fourth grade. I think 
the same. Um, I was around the same age, fourth or fifth grade. And here we are today. I'm not an attorney just yet, but... You're well on your way. Soon and very soon. (laughs) So tell me, tell connectors, what is the difference between a public defender and, I guess, private counsel? Well, public defender is a court-appointed attorney. Private counsel is you, you hire an attorney. So you've, I'm assuming, you've acted both as a public defender and private counsel? Yeah, I had a contract with the county for uh, 16 years. I was public defender, then special public defender. Okay. From uh, 2001 to 2016. Okay. Usually public defenders get a bad rep. Or I should say, have one. You know. Well, it's it's like anything else that's public. Um, you know, which is cleaner, your bathroom at home or the public washroom at the courthouse? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's the tragedy of the commons. Um, people take and take and take, and if you declare anything free, then then you know um, the perception is it's going to be of lesser quality and uh, uh, not be as good as something that's private. Mm -hmm. Um, You've seen some outstanding work done by public defenders um, in this county. Um, Just amazing jobs. And I'm I'm very proud um, of my time as a public defender. I I think I gave um, everything I could um, when I was public defender, and I tried not to treat anyone differently mm-hmm. uh, just because they were um, a public defender. I did some of my, my favorite trials. I think some of the best work I've ever done I did earlier when I was was public defender. Hmm. Um, actually, I was in the courtroom the other day, and the judge asked, do you have an attorney? And the person says, no, I have a public defender. And it's like... That's your attorney. Like, what do you mean you don't have one? Uh, you, people make those distinctions that they don't understand the, the, that they're the same. Um, but uh, that's just the perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reality is it's just like everything else in life. Uh, there's good and bad to everything. Right. Um, and, and we are fortunate in Tippecanoe County uh, to have some truly outstanding attorneys, both both at the public defender's office and those with contracts and those who are appointed for specific cases. Mm-hmm. I would so there's this thing called the opioid epidemic. And being here in Lafayette, I've seen oh so many cases between meth and abusing medicine. Do you think this is a civil issue or a criminal issue? No, the, the whole the whole war on drugs is a farce. Um, it started out as a political act by Richard Nixon, mm-hmm. um, and th- there there could have been well-meaning people along the way. Um, certainly, um, you had the war of drug war on drugs start out as racism by other means, mm-hmm. um, originally with the Harris Act and everything like that. Uh, it was targeted towards African Americans. It was charged to the Americans of Hispanic origin. Uh, it was um, uh, the Chinese Americans on the West Coast. In fact, the first prosecutions uh, were against uh, uh, Chinese Americans. Uh, I've never liked the drug war because of that, because it is codified racism. It is disgraceful. And uh, when you point out to the history, especially um, the um, 
1986 Act after the Lynn Bias death, where his death, the basketball player Lynn Bias, after his death from mm-hmm. cocaine, you had uh, individuals like uh, Walter uh, Falteroy, who is the D.C. representative, African American uh, representative from Washington D.C., who was leading the charge to um, make crack cocaine something. Um, uh, more severe penalties for crack cocaine than powdered cocaine, um, but it, it it's my understanding the research I've done, uh, done the articles I've read uh, that there was a huge drive um, that was particularly founded by racism when you have things like that hundred to one uh, sentencing ratio from crack to powdered cocaine that was just insane. Um, I think we as a society have learned. Um, both that the war on drugs is racist mm-hmm. and, more importantly, it's, it's ineffective. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're, you're not getting anything done and you're only making the problem worse. Yes. It's the doctrine of unintended consequences. Um, it, it's just like, you know, we're going to tax the rich by putting taxes on yachts back in, what was that, 1993? And what happened is those with money, the rich, went and bought their uh, yachts in Central and South America and left the guys swinging the hammers for $40,000 a year without anything, without jobs, because there weren't any yachts to build. Mm -hmm. Um, So certainly we've done this on the war on drugs and that we've tried to attack certain drugs and you just have a push-down, pop-up effect. Mm -hmm. And if you try to push down on... Uh, prescription drugs that pops up as heroin. You try to push down on methamphetamine, then it comes up as prescription drugs mm-hmm. or heroin or, or something else. Um, the, the reason people are abusing prescription drugs, the reason people are uh, uh, abusing heroin is, is because of the pain industry. Mm-hmm. Big Pharma is coming out and over-prescribing to the drugs, to the docs, they're they're effectively buying them off in many cases. Not every doctor is doing this. Mm -hmm. And there are doctors that are saying, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? Also, the pharmaceutical companies could stop this. They could turn it off with a switch in the drugs and and not make them as addictive or addictive. Um, And and it's, it's heartbreaking when you see what's happening in communities, for example, in in eastern Tennessee, in Virginia, in West Virginia, places like this. Um, I I have long thought that it's time to look at the decriminalization or complete legalization of marijuana. Marijuana may give you a cough, it may make your feet dirty, and it may make you stink, but it doesn't have the same long-term harm to society. Um, at least moving it from Schedule 1 to Schedule 4. Mm-hmm. Um, I know President Trump has talked about that, yet at the same time you have Beauregard Sessions running around saying we need to put more people in, in jail because of smoking dope. Um, I, I think we're at a breaking point when even the state of Indiana is saying, well, you know, maybe we should do something um, about marijuana. At least there's talk about medical um, legalization um, if not recreational uh, legalization. Um, I think if you're concerned about the opioid crisis, yes. and I always cringe it with us when I hear I politicians talk uh. about, cr- about uh, crises, because crises for politicians are ways that for them to get your freedom and get your money. Yes. So I, I think you have to de- breathe deep, sit down, and say, 
what can we do about this? I think that primarily what needs to be done is to legalize marijuana. And so you think, and I'm going to use the quotes, opioid, quote unquote, it's a manufactured crisis. crisis. There may be a crisis, but it's manufactured completely by the politicians, and so, completely by law enforcement. And so are you saying that maybe decriminalizing um, marijuana, that will help with this quote? Unquote? No, I'm saying it will help. Huh. I'm not, and there's no ifs in and maybe. And I, I shouldn't modify It's not everyone in law enforcement. Um, I think if you went and you... you turned off all the recording devices and make sure you didn't have a cell phone in your hand and you asked the street cop, you know, what what's your opinion about legalizing marijuana? They'd say if people would stay inside and smoke it at home mm -hmm. and eat Doritos and watch movies on the television, <laughs> they're okay. They're okay with that. Um, what, what you have are leaders in law enforcement um, who are glomming on to this gateway drug nonsense, mm -hmm. and that's in order to boost their own budgets um, because of the the body count method that law enforcement has used for drug enforcement. We, we have so many arrests, we have so many prosecutions, federal government give us money. Um, that's been going on for too long, and I think it's time to stop. Um, I first learned of the folly of drug prohibition from my father. He purchased the um, uh, album from Jerry Reed, Both Barrels. Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know if you're a country and western music fan. But uh, yeah, YouTube has this, I'm pretty sure. It's a song called Rooster Jones by Jerry Reed. Rooster Jones makes whiskey, it's always in demand. Tallahassee County, dry laws making rooster a wealthy man. So prohibition doesn't work. We learned this, we paid for this in blood. Um, my family uh, made schnapps, Applejack. Huh. Uh, we were harassed by the Klan, um, but um, we still made it. And we made it because people wanted to drink it. Right. Um, so people want to alter their realities for whatever reasons. Um, you know, the, their life may stink, they may, may not think that uh, they're getting proper uh, treatment from doctors or whatnot, but if you deny it to people, then people will either want it even more or mm -hmm. seek out alternatives which are even worse in the form of heroin, methamphetamine, you know, stolen prescription pills, um, what have you. So what do you think about the law that says if the person's client, if you will, dies from Person's client or person's friend? Oh, uh, the dealer's client. Okay. The dealer's client dies, that the dealer will be held. So, so the, remember, dealer includes transfers. Okay. So you don't have to make any money. Everybody thinks dealers and they think of something that's on television or movies like Scarface or something like that. They're gonna, we're gonna lock up Scarface. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. You're gonna lock up Cletus. Mm -hmm. You're going to lock up mm -hmm. Jamal, okay? Because they've, they've got their fix, mm -hmm. and they either need to pay for it, so they break a piece off and give it to someone else, or they sell it to someone else to reimburse what, you know, what they paid for it. Mm -hmm. So the dealers, if you, you look deeply into um, the charges, are very often users themselves. Hmm. So what you've done is you've turned a hopeless addict 
into a dealer, and now you're going to whack them even wow. harder with with more prison time. So um, the, there are two categories. I think if you're going to have an investment, it's not an investment. It's spending taxpayers' money, mm-hmm. and the, there are two categories. I wish we did more. Um, um, as a society, and I understand it. By doing more as a society, that means we're spending taxpayers' money. I understand. Got it. But if we're going to have to spend money as as a government, and government is things that we all do together, and the productive pay the price. But if I'm going to write the check, I want to write a check for mental health, mm-hmm. and I want to write, write a check for addiction services. I agree. So um, what we need to do as a society is is not give people um, an excuse, um, you know, uh, focus on education, and, and that comes from culture. That doesn't come from spending money and, mm-hmm. and giving teachers um, more vacation time or, or what have you, uh, but that comes from culture, not, not money spent. Huh. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why I was asking, like, do you think this quote-unquote uh, crisis or epidemic, whatever you want to call it, is a criminal issue or is it a civil issue? And by civil, I mean um, maybe like a mental health civil issue where maybe a judge can get involved. Um, um, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, um, when he was a Senate staffer, wrote a paper in which he described um, the plight of the poor in America in the 60s as a tangle of pathologies. Mm -hmm. He used that phrase. Um, and then he later became a senator from the state of New York. Um, and that's exactly what you have in any drug case. You have a tangle of pathologies. You have the breakdown of the home. You have an absence of a father. You have no one there stressing the value of what uh, Judge Bush here in Tippecanoe County calls the bourgeois values. Mm-hmm. Um, education, the, the emphasis on meritocracy. Um, and, and what you have is a complete dumbing down and decay um, of the family unit, the little platoon of society. Mm-hmm. So there's a, it's an important book that I usually suggest to all the new prosecutors um, read and understand the um, corrosive effect that the welfare state, which has spawned all this, has caused. And it's it's eating away the structure, the scaffolding of society. Mm-hmm. And the, the book is called Life at the Bottom by um, um, a doctor. He's a psychiatrist with the National Health Service in the United Kingdom. And he writes under the pen name Theodore Darwimple. Huh. Um, it is a brilliant book, and it must be read by anyone who wants to have a, a handle um, on the opioid crisis, on any of these cultural problems. Because drugs, um, um, all this is not a disease. Mm-hmm. It's, they're, they're treating it as the disease. It's not. It's a symptom of an, a hurt, failing uh, culture. So um, drugs is like um, a pus uh, coming from the wound, mm-hmm. being thrown off as some sort of protective cloak. Mm-hmm. And it, you, you, you won't get anywhere... Um, killing all the alligators, you got to drain the swamp, to use a phrase. <laughs> but um, you you have to attack the culture, and and that comes from reevaluating and refocusing on the welfare state. Would you ever consider being a prosecutor? I was a prosecutor. I was a deputy prosecuting attorney from 1995 to December of 1999. So 
When were you a public defender? So public defender from the year 2000 to the year 2016. Okay. Would you go back to being a prosecutor? No, I, 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 at least I have no plans at now. I've run for public office. I, I ran for a judgeship in 1998, and uh, was the greatest career move I did uh, by affecting, I believe, only 11% of the vote. Oh. So it was a brilliant move on my part. I applaud myself for losing that election. Mm -hmm. um, and I lost that election to a woman called Chief Justice Loretta Rush. Oh, there you go. Right. Um, so I'm very happy that Loretta Rush uh, became uh, Judge Loretta Rush and became Chief Justice yes. Loretta Rush. It was the best thing she could have done for my career by uh, beating the bejesus out of me and winning that election. Wow. Wow. So <clears throat> what is the difference between being a prosecutor and being a defense attorney. Focus, yeah. And when you're a, you're a prosecuting attorney, that's the best thing in the world because you can focus on the hind end of the animal and you can chase it, right? You don't, you don't have the phone calls, you don't have the calls from uh, family, you don't have the phone calls from baby mama when, you know, when Derek is going to get out of jail. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have the IRS and the Indian Department of Revenue, Indiana Workforce Development sending you letters, sending you, you know, because as an attorney, you got you to bring home the bacon, mm -hmm. you got to pay the bills, um, you got to make the kills to keep the place running, you got to deal with the... Um, thank God I don't have it here, but the staffing issues, mm -hmm. the computer breaking, the copier blowing up, uh, the fact that it's 84 degrees in my office right now and I can grow orchids and Susanna won't let me turn down the uh, air conditioning. Um, but as prosecuting attorney, you can focus on that case and only that case. And that is the big difference between being a private practice attorney and being a prosecutor. Hmm. Plus, you get to hang with cops as a prosecutor, and that's a cool thing sometimes. You know, so, the you cops mean, always have the best stories. You mean as a defense attorney, you don't go and have coffee with the, the cop? You probably. I'm, I'm, your, I'm very friendly client. with the police officers, but, um, you know, it, it's the same way. Um, I think the older that the police officers get, the more they understand, the more they respect it. Mm -hmm. um, the younger guys, not so much. May They may not understand it, but that's okay. I don't harbor any grudges, I don't harbor any ill will, because um, I live a pedestrian bourgeois life. Mm -hmm. um, some of my clients are, are out there doing things they probably shouldn't, um, but for me, um, you know, I, I live uptight and out of sight, mm -hmm. so um, uh, I don't have those problems. This is a question that I've heard often, not to myself, but to defense attorneys. If you know that your client did something wrong, how it's can not, you... It's not, no, see, it's not about them, <laughs> Yeah. right? Because um, everybody thinks that um, you're, you're fighting for them. No, I'm not. Um, I'm fighting for the 1% that are actually innocent, okay? Mm. First and foremost, I'm fighting for the Constitution, the United States Constitution and the Indiana Constitution. Um, I defend up here, and I'm holding my hands up, um, I defend up down on the bottom of the ladder so they, the state can't come up the ladder and, and grab the people who are actually innocent. Mm -hmm. So if you go out there and you aggressively patrol and you fight them at the border, 
then you don't have to defend the capital. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, also, um, I, I do fight for the 1%, but it's not the 1% SES, the socioeconomic status. I, I fight for the 1% who are actually metaphysically innocent. And I've had innocent people. And everybody says, well, Freeman, how can you defend uh, you know, the bank robber, uh, the murderer, um, the arsonist, uh, the baby raper, whatever, and say, I sleep like a baby. Okay? The, the, ones, the times I have not slept, um, I had my first innocent person at 31. It was a, a theft of a motorcycle, and it was he was completely innocent. And I could not sleep for three weeks before the trial, mm -hmm. and a week before the trial, I got up every morning about two thirty, three o'clock, and got sick. Okay, mm -hmm. the jury acquitted him in under ten minutes, wow. but it was my trial to lose, and I I never had to deal with an innocent client before. And then. And I did. I've, I've had them before. They've been few and far between. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody asks me, what's the most, you know, are, are murder trials stressful and uh, whatnot? No, not exactly, no. But I, I uh, defending an innocent man, that's stress. Huh. Because I remember, um, I hope this doesn't like break confidence. I don't think it does. But Cody Cousins, I remember sitting in the trial and just watching you. There was no trial. You're right. You're right. Uh, the sentencing, the senten sentencing hearing and just sitting and like the courtroom is full of people and you look so calm. You're not dramatic in any Perry Mason. Not at all. You say what you have to say. And just to think like, wow, this guy is defending someone who not allegedly he shot, killed, murdered a kid. And just to think how composed you were the entire time. You, you, you can't focus. You, you have to focus on your job. It's just like anything else. You have to focus on doing the needful. And, you know, there's times for emotion later. Mm. Um, but how do you, like, I, I'm a very emotional person. And I know when keeping things in, down the line, it's going to come out. It's, it's part of the job. And you have to realize that going in, mm. um, that... Um, you know, being emotional, being upset um, is is unlikely to help your client. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes in, in closing argument, I put the heat in every now and then, um, but I think it's when it helps the client. But just like everything else, um, you know, you have some you have somebody who's cool under pressure. Mm -hmm. That's who you want as a surgeon. Uh, that's who you want as an airline pilot. Mm -hmm. um, that's who you want as a um, as your attorney. Um, and I, I I don't like courtroom antics. Um, I think they're unhelpful. And you know, ninety nine times out of a hundred, and um, you you've got to focus on poker face, mm -hmm. as I refer to it, being poker faced, um, and not showing the emotion. Yeah, I've been there. When, when things uh, suddenly don't go your way, mm -hmm. um, but if you show it, because the jury's looking at you, right? right? They, they're looking at you as well as your client. Um, so if you seem cool and calculated and collected, uh, then that's going to reflect on your client. Yeah. Well, you definitely got that down to a T. What is your process of taking on a new client? Uh, there's, there's the phrase in criminal defense work, uh, get the money, get the facts, get the money. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we were right up front with them about the money. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have an uncomplicated um, agreement that they sign, whether it's flat fee or per hour, um, and we're right up front to them about the expenses and everything. Um, I get the money first. Mm-hmm. Um, then we talk about what happened, possible witnesses, possible defense witnesses. I usually give them homework. Mm-hmm. Um, that's to uh, defeat the puppy mind. Um, you know, the, the mind, when it's under stress, will, will start to run around in circles and that's yap right. like a puppy. Um, so you get them focused. Um, you tell them that, you know, if, if you are feeling stressed, that's cortisol. Um, the brain's kicking out a bunch of uh, cortisol. The only way to do that, uh, defeat that, is to burn it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, exercise, jump rope, go for a run, hit the heavy bag, what have you. Um, but um, we always advise them, you know, against speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, against going on social media, um, various things like that. Do you think that everyone has or has the ability to have good counsel? The ability, yes. And Whether or not they do or not, no. Um, you know, we there the things have been gone that have gone horrifically wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, doesn't always happen. But the ability, yeah. What do you think are obstacles? Obstacles to what? Access to legal help. Just like I was saying earlier about um, the public defenders, like and how people have this misperception of public defenders, like they can't do the job. And I've also heard that, oh, I don't have enough money. Um, what do you think, why do you think some people can get the adequate help that they need? I guess it depends on where you are. Um, I have friends who practices in, practice in much larger cities, mm-hmm. and uh, I can imagine that can be a horrible problem. Um, if you've seen, uh, for example, public defender system even in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. um, I've seen it in action in Indianapolis and simply mystified at times. Um, but I, I do know a large number of people in the Marion County Public Defender's Office and you have uh, devoted uh, people who are there to fight for the Bill of Rights and fight for their clients. Um, I think it's a case-by-case um, problem because it, it doesn't happen in every case, but um, it, it does happen where things go do get screwed up, and and that's human nature. I don't I don't know if you can. You know, provide a system where you give things free to mm-hmm. people and to have them be substandard quality. Right. H- how do you do that? In my political event, in my my um, Melu, I would say, well, just make society richer, hmm. right? <laughs> right. Let, let's all get rich. Yeah. What? How do we defeat disease and and poverty and hunger and everything? Hey, I know. Let's make society richer, like like we're doing now. <laughs> shove the living standard up for everybody Um, as to every particular case no I don't think you're gonna you can't have that um, because this is human nature and humans involved things are going to get messed up from time to time Mm -hmm. how you make it better I I don't know make society richer that way everybody can afford their own attorneys afford their own doctors and whatnot that's what I do if we were all just richer Hmm. so tell me what has been an experience that gave you the most growth as an attorney? The most growth as an attorney. It's time. 
Mm. Yeah, there's no teacher like time. Um, I can't think of any better teacher than you know the person wanting to learn and then the passage of time. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like, how does a surgeon get better? How does a uh, uh, dentist get better? He does it over, he or she does it over and over again. Uh, it's the same way with attorneys. You're practicing. That's right. What do you think about people who cross the border illegally? I, I don't, I don't think, I don't, we don't, I don't do a lot of federal law. Mm -hmm. um, I have done federal law, but it's usually drugs and guns, a lot of drugs. Okay. Um, but I, I've yet to have, um, what is it, failure to report for inspection, mm -hmm. whatever the federal misdemeanor is. But know. it's basically federal trespass, you know, federal criminal trespass. Mm -hmm. It's a misdemeanor, second time around, it's a felony, it's an ans to a felony. Mm -hmm. I, what do I think about it? I don't know. It's the statute. It's the law. They should probably enforce it. Um, I, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> there, there are far too many federal laws yes. um, about how to label lobsters and orchids and everything <laughs> like that. Um, but I'd like to see fewer lobster labeling laws and more laws like, oh, I don't know, enforcing the border, um, federal trespass, things like that. Focus on, on things that the government should be involved in and is really good at, mm -hmm. like keeping people who shouldn't be here out of the country. Mm -hmm. They're pretty good at that. Everything else, I don't know, drugs, delivering the mail, they uh, suck at. So uh, the government can't even deliver the mail. Um, you know, they're not going to save you. Mm -hmm. So what the government should be, federal government I'm talking about, should be limited to, to is, you know, protecting the country and let UPS and DHL deliver the mail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got you. But I don't, I don't think about them because I, I rarely have contact mm -hmm. um, this far in um, from the border. What's the, the, the border is what? Uh, the, um, the airport in Indianapolis, yeah. I, I don't... I was going to say, I was thinking about Canada, actually, <laughs> and how far away is that? But yeah, I guess Indy Airport would be the... Right. We, we, I, don't, I don't do a lot of that. I, I, don't, I have no idea. Speaking of airplanes, this is kind of fun. This is my favorite part. I will give you a ticket and you can go anywhere in the whole wide world. Someone went to, to space, someone went to heaven, someone went to an in-between world. And you can go, again, anywhere in the world. So this section is called, where in the world, who in the world, and how in the world. And what this means, where in the world or universe or whatever will you go? Right now? Yeah. Uh, probably Mendoza, Argentina. It's uh, winter down there, and the skiing is amazing. And uh, I'd, I'd like to go there and see my good friend. Okay. He lives yeah. in Hermania. But okay. Yeah, we can drive to Mendoza. Okay. And who are the people that have inspired you to become the person you are today? Who would also join you? in Argentina. No. I don't know. <laughs> who wants to go to Argentina? It's, you know, it's, make them go. That's right. Well, it's, it's hard to pick a chick up, a uh, young lady in a bar, and, and say, hey, you want to go to Namibia or Argentina? I'll go. Up South I'll Africa. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But uh, uh, people who inspired me, um, probably um, the penultimate 
uh, hero that I have in, in my own pantheon, my own little universe here, is um, one of the first uh, revolutionary heroes. Um, he's unknown, really, um, unless you go dig way, way down deep. But his name is James Otis Jr. Okay. Um, he was a Massachusetts lawyer. He was the person who termed the phrase no representation or no taxation without representation. Um, he did a five hour closing argument in the Massachusetts uh, uh, State House against uh, the writs of assistance, uh, which were basically warrants that the, the British police wrote themselves to inspect ships in Boston Harbor or warehouses or whatnot. Uh, but he was the intellectual underpinning for the American Revolution. In fact, people like John Adams would say, you know, without James Otis Jr., there would be no American Revolution. Wow. So um, reading about him, reading about um, what he believed, his thoughts, and his philosophy, uh, he's probably the most inspirational individual mm -hmm. to me today. And how to the people who inspire you, uh, how do you give back to them? Or how do you give honor to them? I'm going to live free. Um, James Otis Jr., I'm going to live my life according to how I, uh, I want to. I'm not going to hurt anybody. Um, and if I want to go to Argentina, it's because I want to. And the government has no say over it. Simple as that. Uh, simple as that, yeah. I want to go there and I go. Yeah. What would be something you would do in Argentina? Besides skiing? Yeah, skiing. Um, I know I got a buddy who's uh, got some land in uh, just north of there in Hermania. He's got red stag and uh, cougar and stuff like that. Oh, Maybe no. go hunting. Uh, I'd like to go south and do some bird wing shooting, bird shooting. Look, you said hunting earlier, and I was just thinking, you know, go out, shoot some deer, but no, you're talking about like some beasts you want to hunt. A red stag is uh, a little lighter than an American, North American elk. Um, it's a pretty cool animal. <laughs> I heard they're good eating too, and uh, their leather, uh, um, their skin makes real good leather too. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well then, what has been your proudest moment being a defense attorney, or better yet, being an attorney? Proudest moment. Okay. Yeah, I got one. Um, right. I was appointed on this uh, sad sack in uh, Clinton County Superior Court. I think it was Superior. Um, I was standing in the back of the courtroom, um, read the prop. I, I got appointed there on the spot. The judge on the bench appointed me, hmm. and and this guy was a sad sack, and uh, nobody was going to help him. Um, you, you could just tell. So I read the charges and I looked at the probable cause affidavit, and just what they had pled didn't didn't match any crime. Mm -hmm. And I turned around, two-minute conversation with the prosecutor. They nollied it right there on the spot. And I, I the guy wow. got to go home. Look at you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's one of the few people who is actually grateful. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I had a lot more hair then. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a good one. So what keeps you going? Um, just, I like what I do mm. and, um, you know, as I get older, I'm, I'm better at it. Um, so, um, I, I don't know, um, other than, you know, I believe in what I'm doing. And do you like movies? Have you seen, uh, True Believer with James Wood and no, Robert Downey Jr.? That's a great movie. 
Uh, always wanted to pattern myself after James Wood in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 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 but if you believe in something, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, that gives you a pole star to uh, to uh, fixate on and to guide you. So yeah, like Napoleon said. The morale is to the physical as three is to one. Why should anyone want you as their defense attorney? Want me? They shouldn't. No? That means something's bad. Something bad has gone down. Well, if So they shouldn't want me at all. <laughs> yeah. They shouldn't. I'm like the mm-hmm. fire extinguisher. I'm like the pistol in the, in the holster. They shouldn't want me at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Okay. I think the, the best thing people can do is to educate themselves on the law, mm-hmm. and that way they know that they won't need me. And, and I'm also very big into that. I, I teach CLE. Okay. And, um, um, and that's both continuing legal education. Education, and uh, try to help um, fellow attorneys, um, you know, how to advise their clients to keep their clients out of trouble. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's... Um, one of the most underrated thing we do as attorney is actually advise people how to comply with the law and so people don't get in trouble in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the reason you study martial arts is so that you won't have to use martial arts, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason you have a fire extinguisher is so that you won't have to use a fire extinguisher. So um, uh, attorneys, guys like me, are just, you know, insurance um, and our fire extinguishers, you don't want to have to use them, but it's mm-hmm. nice to have um, uh, if, if you do need it. Any last words you'd like to share? You aren't going to ask me about my uh, what character embodies oh, my sure, idea. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I thought, because I know you have to and go. So dying to talk about Atticus okay, French. Let's, but, yeah. Okay, so I'll ask you, what character or superhero embodies your idea of a defense attorney? Um, not like my nephews. I really don't have a thing for superheroes, but uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool having young nephews that way you get to go to the movies that they won't let the creepy old guy in go to see. So, um, But um, I like Atticus Finch. always like that since I read him in uh, seventh grade. Yeah. And um, that mm-hmm. that's the kind of attorney, like a combination of James Wood and, and Woods and uh, True Believer and Atticus Finch. Yeah. Okay, I know why the cage bird sings. Okay, so now when I hear Atticus Finch, I will think of Kirk Freeman. <laughs> sort of a bizarro uh, Atticus Finch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, I like your quirkiness. I like Kirk Freeman. I don't think you would be the attorney you are without your bizarreness, without you being you. Um, you know, it. it's just, it's an expression... You know, um, I like sarcasm. Um, I like it a lot. Um, it wears on some people. Um, some people think that it's, um, um, I'm trying to be insulting or anything like that. Um, but those people have fragile egos mm. and they can all go straight to hell. <laughs> so um, I'm going to do what I want to do and uh, I'm not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. And if you're offended by words, then you probably should go to your safe space and not be alone. But aren't you going to ask me about uh, handling encounters with the police? Yes, that's, a, okay. that's actually a good Every, question. Everybody should, should learn this. Everybody shut up. Uh-huh. Okay, relax, okay? Because the police, uh, not to call them dogs or anything, but they're like dogs in this way, in that they're trained to read fear. So if you're fearful and all strung out and hopped up, 
then they're going to be uptight. So the first thing to do is to relax, and you do that by using the voluntary muscles to control the involuntary muscles. Sit there, breathe, just relax. It's just a traffic infraction. Hmm. Stop playing 20 questions. They're going to ask you where you're coming from, where are you going. Stop trying to win the pat on the head from the police and be the good boy or the good girl. You don't say anything. You don't defy them. You don't not cooperate. You give them the driver's license, the registration, the proof of insurance. Okay. And if they want you out of the car, then get out of the car. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to be running your cake hole. Mm -hmm. So everybody needs to shut up. Okay. Remember, the police have the job to do. Let the police be the police. If you get a uh, speeding ticket, then you need to obey the traffic code. It's only an infraction. Don't let the ordinance violation or the infraction turn into a misdemeanor, turn into a felony. I've had case after case of this, usually with younger males, not so much with, um, with women, uh, but it's usually with younger males who run their traps and let the police push their buttons or, you know, they're already pre-inclined to, um, uh, to be aggressive and be morons, okay? Just relax. If the police want to write you for a ticket, I'd much rather defend you over an ordinance violation than a misdemeanor. Well, there you go. There you go. So I know you're going to go off to Winchung soon. Any last words you'd like to share? Any advice? Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite presidents <laughs> is Calvin Coolidge. And I thought this would be pretty cool mm -hmm. to remember whether you're an attorney or not, you're not an attorney. But uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, sayings of his is, uh, never go out to meet trouble. If you will just sit still, nine cases out of ten, someone will interrupt it before it reaches you. And that's Calvin Coolidge, the man from Vermont. Okay. Sit still. Shut up. <laughs> All right, Craig, this has been so much fun. Before we go, though, how can connectors connect with you? Someone need, needs an attorney. Someone wants to talk to you. Where are you located? Your website, phone number, email? Um, I'm downtown Lafayette, Indiana. Um, phone number is 765-429-7035. We've had that forever and a day. Website is kirkfreemanlaw.com. We're on Facebook, Kirk Freeman Law. We're on Twitter, Kirk Freeman at Kirk Freeman Law. All right. And connectors, you know where to find me, ampsconnected.com. Email me, info.ampsconnected at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram at ampsconnected. All right, Mr. Freeman, I won't take any more of your time. No problem. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Stay connected.